point at which journalism, culture, politics, and activism converge. May the ancestors be pleased. WBAI accepts snowmobiles. If you have a snowmobile, we want it. We also want any extra cars, trucks, SUVs, RVs, boats, and more. Any reason is a good reason to give a vehicle to WBAI. Hi, this is Jesse Eisenberg. You're listening to WBAI in New York, 99.5 FM, and on the web at WBAI.org. Driving Forces, where we focus on the big issues in city, state, and national politics that matter to you. You were just listening to Let's Talk with John Kane. I'm Jeff Simmons, your host of Driving Forces. And again, welcome back to WBAI, Pacifica Radio 99.5 FM here in New York. So lots of news out of Washington, D.C. today, but also global news. And that's going to be a large focus of today's show. The latest on the uh, the coronavirus outbreak that has taken place in China and now across the globe. Some recent developments just over the last few hours. The World Health Organization declared today that the coronavirus outbreak was a global health emergency, an international emergency. And so they've acknowledged that the, the disease now represents a risk beyond China. That is where it emerged uh, about a month ago. The decision reversed the organization's decision of just a week ago to hold off on making such a declaration. Now, here in the United States, there's also been a few developments when it comes to this. I'll give you the global numbers in just a moment. But what has just happened is that uh, it's been reported only in the last few hours, the first case of human-to-human transmission of the coronavirus. An infected patient is the husband of a woman who had returned from Wuhan, China. This is the first evidence that the virus has spread from person to person in our country. According to reports, this couple lives in Chicago. At present, six people now diagnosed with the coronavirus here in the United States, two of them in Illinois, two in California, one in uh, Washington State as well. Uh, this is all happening as the Lunar New Year began this past weekend, not just here in New York City, but across the globe. This is the 15-day celebration uh, that already has been marked by a number of parades and feasts, but also what we're seeing is a number of cancellations, mainly due to anxiety over a potential outbreak. We're seeing that, if you read the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times today, uh, there have been a number of cancellations. There's even a press conference that's going to take place tomorrow led by some elected officials in Flushing and uh, involving a number of organizations that want to be able to allay concerns, to basically allay any of the anxieties that are out there right now. So again, while isolated cases have cropped up in other states, so far city and state public health authorities say that they are unaware of a single case of illness here related to the coronavirus here in New York. Now again, the cancellations are just one sign 
sign of rising anxiety across the city over the coronavirus. And as far as the latest statistics, officials in China had reported in the last 24 hours that over time, 170 people have died. That number had increased by 38 who had died from the virus uh, within the la- 48 hours. Uh, when the Global Health Agency had met earlier uh, in terms of determining whether this was a global health emergency, they said they didn't have enough information to decide. But as of today, according to reports, Close to 8,000 people have been sickened in mainland China. 68 cases have been reported around the world in Thailand, Japan, Hong Kong, Singapore, Taiwan, Australia, uh, Germany, Korea, Vietnam, Finland, uh, Nepal, and a number of other regions. Uh, again, it's now close to 8,000 people that have been sickened in mainland China. Now, here in in New York, we have experienced a number of of, of uh, incidents involving measles a few months ago, if you can recall this, and other cases. Uh, remember, I think it was going back quite some time now uh, to when there were fears about Ebola and whether it would touch New York at that point. Uh, and, you know, and New York City responded rather quickly in that case. So we're going to have a few experts on. So right now on the line, we've got Dr. Dimitri Daskalakis, who's the deputy commissioner of the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, where he oversees the Division of Disease Control. Welcome back to WBAI. Thank you for having me. So I, you were last in studio, and I appreciated it uh, for World AIDS Day in December on our other show, and you explained a lot about what you had done. Uh, but first, can you just talk briefly just about what the Division of Disease Control does within the Department of Health so our listeners know? Certainly. So the Division of Disease Control um, is responsible for the public health programming that relates to uh, infectious diseases. Um and as well as oversees our public health lab. So it really spans a broad range from HIV and sexually transmitted infections to tuberculosis and hepatitis C to more outbreak-related uh, infections such as influenza, measles, um, and about 92 other reportable diseases. So it's a pretty broad range, and along with that, we uh, the division is responsible for the function of our public health laboratory that is really frontline in doing a lot of, uh, of testing that relates to public health uh, diseases of concern. What exactly is a coronavirus? A coronavirus, well, a coronavirus is the name of a family of viruses. And um, there are many members to that family about, and, and they have a, a different, a broad range of what kind of human disease they can cause. Um, so the human coronaviruses are responsible for the common cold or some of the common cold. There's a lot of other viruses that can do it. But um, there are also more severe manifestations of coronavirus. Specifically, there are a couple of strains that have made the news before, which such as SARS and MERS or Middle Eastern um, Respiratory Syndrome virus. So these two coronaviruses um, cause more severe disease uh, that can manifest itself as as pneumonia and then potentially um, you know progress to to uh, more severe illness um, and potentially death. So this new coronavirus, which has not a very catchy name, novel corona 2019 novel coronavirus, is one of the coronavirus uh, one of the coronavirus family members. It was just recently identified um, after an outbreak in, um, the, uh, in Wuhan in China 
Um, so we've really known its its existence for about a month or so. Um, and it is on the spectrum of coronaviruses. So there's there's broad ranges of what it can do from the disease perspective, but we know that some people have severe manifestations, especially if they're older or if they have comorbidities. And, and I'm glad you had mentioned that about the the different levels when it comes to symptoms. For instance, we're you know we're in the winter and the weather has not been as much as it's colder today. It hasn't been a horrible winter right now, but we are in what normally would be flu season. How do you know if you are encountering the flu versus if you think it's something more serious like a coronavirus? Right. So um, really important to comment on the flu season. It's never too late to get a flu vaccine. So I would encourage everyone listening who's not had a flu vaccine to go get it. Um, it is safe, effective, and prevents the flu. Um, so in terms of coronaviruses, so right now, our risk to New Yorkers, um, we're interpreting to be very low because, you know, we, we really don't have, you know, transmission in the community. So I think that right now, if you have, you know, a fever, uh, a, a cough or shortness of breath, no matter who you are, you should do the right thing for someone who has a fever, cough or shortness of breath, which is to see your doctor. Because tis the season for influenza, tis the season for pneumonia. So it's really important to be assessed. So right now, when we think of coronavirus, coronavirus is associated with travel histories as well. And so if someone is returning from, uh, from Wuhan and potentially, uh, you know, I would, I would broaden that in terms of what people think and include China. If they're returning from China um, in the last 14 days and they develop symptoms like a fever, uh, cough, or shortness of breath, um, they should call ahead to a healthcare provider, say, I'm coming, and, um, you know, that individual will likely be assessed um, for uh, potential exposure to coronavirus. So for the average New Yorker without a travel history, it's, it's the flu or another cold virus. But for individuals returning um, from China or who have contact with individuals who have known coronavirus um, in other parts of the world, it may be coronavirus. And really, our, our, our role is, is to make sure that healthcare knows um, by contacting us directly how to do appropriate testing to differentiate common viruses from this, um, at this point, rare virus. And talk a little about the steps that the city has taken to prepare and respond. Yeah, so the city um, has been in a very sort of forward-leaning preparedness stance um, for a long time. And so we um, have for years done drills around uh, respiratory viruses such as this one or um, bad flus um, to really be in a mode to uh, respond. So we have activated our uh, emergency system here, our incident command system, or ICS. And what that means is that we're moving resources from all over the agency into the response for this outbreak. So I'll just remind everybody that we take care of outbreaks every day. Um, some of them are very small. Some of them are of less uh, less sort of public health significance. But what happens is we then uh, adjust the size of our response by pulling other resources from our agency into um, our work. And so we are sort of in this preparedness mode, really preparing for our first case, preparing for our first 10 cases, and preparing for the situation that could occur that we have generalized tr uh, transmission throughout throughout New York City. So, um, you know, we're at this, uh, you know, at the ready 
to respond by actually having generate our own internal systems, but then also having done really amazing collaborative outreach with our, our sister agencies. We have had great collaboration with the fire department and EMS in terms of plans for transporting patients. We have met with the, the Greater New York Hospital Association and have gotten them prepared with all of uh, our strategies and guidance to make sure that they're ready to receive one or more patients and with our sister agency, the Health and Hospitals Corporation, we have, uh, beyond drilling for many years, have, um, for this specific coronavirus, had a lot of conversations and um, a lot of really great uh, sort of implementation of plans to be ready for, for, this, uh, for this coronavirus when it lands in New York City. So I'm a regular subway rider, and one thing that I've noticed in the last few days, especially on the 7 train, which is one of the main uh, trains that I take, that I've seen a number of people wearing the uh, surgical masks. Are these effective? So uh, I think New York City and CDC agree that there's no, re no reason for someone to wear a surgical mask unless there's a medical indication. And by that, we mean like there are scenarios if someone is presenting for care that we would advise wearing a mask or um, potentially being uh, sent home from care to wear a mask. But the average New Yorker, and in fact, just based on a call that we had with the CDC, the average American does not need to wear a mask. Um, there's no, the, the threat level is not in a scenario that we would recommend that. And so I've also seen a lot of masks around and I'm happy to ride the seven train without a mask. Um, I, I don't feel like there's a risk and I feel like our guidance is pretty clear that it's unnecessary. And I do want to point out for our listeners, there has not been, there have not been any cases, uh, uh, where someone has tested positive for the coronavirus here in New York City at this time. That's correct. So uh, we just have a minute or two left. Just some advice uh, to folks as far as what uh, you recommend that they do just if they want to take any precautions. So uh, my number one favorite is get the flu shot because it's really important and there's a lot of flu circulating and zero coronavirus right now. So get the flu shot because that's important and people can get very sick from the flu as well. Um, my second piece of advice is what we recommend usually during the flu season is exactly what you should do during um, this uh, potential uh, time where coronavirus could land in New York, and that is um, wash your hands frequently. If you can't do it with soap and water, use an alcohol-based sanitizer, hand sanitizer. That's really important. It's a good way of lowering the pro probability of transmitting any virus, including coronavirus. And then also just sort of, you know, uh, good manners kind of stuff, like cover your cough and sneeze, sneeze into your elbow, cough into your elbow, not into your hand, because then you have a contaminated hand. So really it's, it's sort of common courtesy. Try to avoid coughing and sneezing on people. Use your elbow to protect yourself and wash those hands and use hand sanitizer. You know, otherwise, I, I will go back to my initial statement. It is never too late to get the flu shot. And, you know, one thing I do want to point out, uh, I had seen this in one article. Uh, an official had said that the recent outbreak of measles was very good, was good preparation for hospitals uh, in a case like this. Yeah, no, I feel like both real and virtual drill uh, events are really good because you de definitely get to sort of identify ways to make your response even stronger. And I, I do feel that measles, which is, you know, on the order of, you know, probably 12 to 15 times more contagious than this coronavirus, I feel like our hospitals demonstrated preparedness in a wonderful way from the perspective, from the perspective of controlling infections and preventing transmission. So I feel like 
you know, it was a good, a great drill. And the fact that we were able to bring measles to a close is testament to the fact that there's really good systems in place. And where do you recommend people go if they want to learn more and get some guidance from the Department of Health? Always our website. So uh, the New York City Department of Health website, and you can actually look, search for coronavirus. Easiest thing to do is to throw it in Google, New York City Department of Health coronavirus, and you'll go to the page. And I typed it down to nyc.gov slash health. You got it. <laughs> Dr. Dimitri Daskalakis, thank you so much for joining me here on WBAI's Driving Forces today. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank and you. remember, get your flu shot. <laughs> I, I had mine last year. I always I, do I, Good. Excellent. Thank Everybody you. who's listening should follow your lead. Thank you. <laughs> so that was Dr. Dimitri Daskalakis, the Deputy Commissioner of the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. He oversees the Division of Disease Control, and he pointed out uh, that the coronavirus that's been in the news, uh, there have been no cases that where anyone has tested positive here in New York City. I mentioned earlier in the show that there was a uh, that there was a case in which uh, a uh, Person-to-person transmission has been verified in Chicago. Uh, one family member had recently been to Wuhan. So I also wanted to invite on the show today uh, one of uh, my favorite council members, uh, New York City Council Member Margaret Chin. She has been the council member for District 1 in Manhattan. That includes Chinatown and Lower Manhattan. Since 2010, she chairs the Council's Committee on Aging, serves on a number of other committees. She'd immigrated to New York City from Hong Kong when she was nine years old and she grew up in Chinatown. And so I wanted her to come on today to be able to talk not just about the anxiety about the coronavirus, the impact and how the community is responding, but also give us an update on a severe fire in Chinatown that has been making the, uh, the news over the last few days. So uh, Council Member Chin, welcome to Driving Forces. Yeah, hi, Jeff. So Welcome. Uh, what, uh, council member, can you just give a sense, sense of the latest developments in Chinatown, what you're hearing from the community about whether anxiety or the impact of the coronavirus? Well, there ha- have been, you know, some exi- anxiety among some of the, the seniors, you know, they were concerned and, um, you know, they will worry about, you know, maybe some of those big events, should they attend or not? And what we are telling the community is that get the correct information directly, you know, from our, you know, the newspaper, from the the media, from the city, Department of Health, and don't listen to rumors because there's so many rumors flying around. And right now, as we know, there are no, um, there's zero diagnosis in New York City. But we also want to make sure people practice basic health practices, right? If you not feeling well or you feel like you have a cold or the flu, go to the doctor and you haven't gotten your flu shot, please do. Um, covering your mouth when you cough and washing your hand often to really protect yourself and, and to protect your families and friends. So what are some of the steps that your office has taken uh, in addressing the anxiety, to allay some of the anxieties and make sure that people don't overreact? Well, we are, you know, we keep emphasizing, you know, getting the correct information. We're working, you know, with our local uh, healthcare organization, uh, Charles B. Wang Hope Clinic. Uh, they get, did a, uh, a big press event, and we wanted to also work together with the mayor's office to make sure they have multilingual outreach uh, so that people can get the correct information uh, that they need 
from uh, our government and from the local media. And so, uh, Council Member, one thing that you know, I've personally experienced in my in my normal day job is I work with Flushing Town Hall, and so they canceled after hearing from a number of members of their uh, of the community. They canceled their Lunar New Year event this coming Saturday. They wanted to be proactive because they felt they just you know didn't want people to worry. Uh, even though, again, as you point out, and uh, Dr. Dimitri Daskalakis pointed out, there are no cases here in New York City. What uh, what type of economic impact are you seeing in the neighborhood? Are you hearing that fewer people are are patronizing restaurants or visiting the neighborhood right now? Yeah, I think I've seen you know people in the community. Um, this past Sunday, um, people were out. This was a beautiful day, and on Saturday, the first day of the new year, there were kids out there with their families, and even though it was raining, there were still a lot of uh, you know, celebration, buying, dancing, and I was at two events um, on that day, and it was packed, uh, and then we had the fireworks. So people are still coming out. I mean, there are some people, um, you know, that are concerned, especially for our elderly, And but so far, a lot of the uh, family associations, business association, are still uh, continuing uh, their Lunar New Year, you know, celebration with banquets, uh, I'm going to one tonight. I have another one tomorrow. Uh, and hopefully, you know, people have to get the correct information and to make sure um, they don't overreact. And one other thing I had read in several reports, not here in New York City, but I had read about this happening more globally, is that there, the reports of the virus have stoked this wave of anti-China sentiment. Uh, one article called it anti-China racism around the globe. Uh, something happened in Canada, uh, in Hong Kong businesses posted signs saying that mainland Chinese customers are not welcome. You know, what message do you want to put out there to counter people who might be having those thoughts? And it's really unfortunate, you know, if people are thinking that way. Uh, and that should not be. Okay, this is a public health um, issue. And oftentimes we have to make sure that people get the correct information. When rumors and misinformation, you know, get circulated, then people just, you know, just try to uh, attack, you know, the group that they think is causing the problem. And that is not right. So we are really encouraging people um, to get the correct information from the local government, you know, from the, the, the media, and also practice good health practice on a regular basis so that you can, you know, protect yourself. If you're sick, you have a cold or the flu, you've got to go see you know, a doctor and take care of that. And when you're coughing, I mean, just like in the subway, right? We we have signs telling people, like, cover your mouth. That should be standard. And washing your hands regularly. We need to uh, do that. And we cannot tolerate any kind of hate uh, and misinformation. So I know we only have a few minutes left. I did bring up uh, in introducing you that I wanted to ask you about the status of the recovery process at 70 Mulberry Street, where there was the devastating fire late last week. Can you just tell us a little about what's happened since? Because this, you know, there was a concern that a lot of the 85,000 items uh, with the uh, uh, with uh, the Museum of Chinese in America had been destroyed. What's the status? 
Well, um, as of, uh, you know, yesterday, we were, um, we saw that the, the museum was able to get some of the uh, artifact archive out, and they will be able to continue uh, to do that once the building is, um, you know, the other part of the building where they have the archives are, are safe to go in. Uh, but it, it is really uh, a huge setback for the community, and the community are really in pain over this, especially right before Lunar New Year. Um, and, you know, a lot of that archives are our history. And a lot of families donated um, the artifacts and the documents to the museum. So we're hoping and praying that it will be able to salvage it. And the museum has gotten so much support uh, from their colleagues uh, across the country to really offer to help them. So we are, you know, we're just hoping for the best. And uh, and I really want to thank, you know, our community and New Yorkers who's been so supportive uh, in this trying time. Council Member Chen, I want to thank you for appearing here on WBAI today. I'd love to have you back sometime to talk about issues that your Committee on Aging uh, has been focused on. Oh, definitely. <laughs> We'd love to do that. So, And how can people learn more about you and your work? Um, they could just um, visit my website um, at the New York City Council and uh, sign up for our e-newsletter. And we'd love to invite you know everyone down uh, to the district because there are a lot of exciting things happening here. And I often you know run into constituents and New Yorkers who say hello on the train, on on the subway, and on the street. So uh, when you see me, please say hello. Councilmember Margaret Chen, thank you so much for appearing here on WBAI today. No, thank you, and I wish everyone a happy Lunar New Year, the Year of the Rat. Thank you. So we're going to open up the phone lines in just a moment. You are listening to WBAI New York 99.5 FM. This is Driving Forces, and I'm your host, Jeff Simmons. The number to call is 212-209-2877. Again, that number is 212-209-2877. I'd love to know your thoughts, what's on your mind today. It does not have to be limited to telling me what you think about the coronavirus and about whether you think the city is prepared or not prepared. It can be whether you do have anxiety over this or not. But also, I'd love to know what your your thoughts are on what has been going on down in Washington, D.C. today, uh, because that uh, may, from what I had read, that might be wrapped. They're trying to wrap that up without taking any more witness uh witness testimony and uh so that's going to be very interesting to uh see when i get home and get a recap of this what i have missed in the last few hours one thing as we're waiting for calls at 212-209-2877 uh one thing i should tell you about there is an event if you do want to learn more about the coronavirus tomorrow uh, that Toro College is hosting. There is a program that's designed for a broad audience, which includes members of the public, but also healthcare, uh, clinical and public health professionals and administrators, and also members of the press, where the whole focus is what we know, what we don't know, what you need to know. Uh, a number of experts who are going to be there, professors of medicine, um, trying to see through the list, who else, Commissioner of Health from Westchester County. There is a small fee, uh, but you should go to Toro's website to be able to find out more about this event that takes place tomorrow 
um, on the coronavirus. Again, the number to call is 212-209-2877. So in the meantime, I'll give you some other news updates from Washington, D.C. Republicans were moving quickly to acquit the president and not allow witnesses, though a number of Republican senators haven't said publicly how they're going to vote, saying they were waiting for the questioning phase of the trial to end. And Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell would not say publicly this afternoon where things stood as far as whether he had the votes uh, to be able to uh, end this trial. Uh, the White House apparently has been threatening John Bolton not to move forward with his book, saying it contains classified information and could not be published as it's written right now. Uh, if you don't know, next Tuesday is the president's State of the Union. So we will be monitoring that so that we can focus a bit on this with the guests that I'll tell you about later that are going to be in here in studio next Thursday. But also the day before that is what we're also waiting for to watch closely, the Iowa caucuses. Now, apparently Bernie Sanders has been surging of late. A discussion I had with a top political expert this afternoon. He believes that Bernie Sanders is going to take this an Iowa, uh, that the polls are correct. Now, if you don't know much about the caucuses, basically this is going to begin at about seven, well, our time, eight o'clock, uh, seven o'clock central time expected to last just roughly an hour. And I think whoever also comes in second and third place will be seen clearly as contenders and on who is going to eventually take on President Trump in November. Here in New York City, some other interesting news today. The New York City Council Speaker Corey Johnson took aim at the mayor over his how he has responded to the homelessness crisis. The speaker released a 200-page report with 90 recommendations, uh, policy recommendations on how to address homelessness. Uh, obviously, call he was calling for more funding to help get pe- more people into permanent housing, but also preventative measures to prevent homelessness in the first place. And it is estimated that about 80,000 people currently in New York City are either living in shelters or on, on the streets. And this is one of the more troubling statistics. A quarter of them are under the age of 18. That child homelessness has surged in recent years. So again, that was released by the city council speaker, Corey Johnson, who felt that the mayoral administration has not been doing enough to be able to address uh, what is surging homelessness. If you consider that it's 80,000 right now and only a year or two ago, I think we were saying it was about 60 or 65,000. This also comes a day after another potential mayoral candidate. I did air quotes. Sorry, you couldn't see the air quotes. Another potential mayoral candidate, New York City controller Scott Stringer, issued his universal affordable housing plan. Much a great focus on housing recently. He criticized the mayor over his housing policy, saying that it's fueling gentrification. It's you know the bad G word, gentrification, uh, calling it a broken system. And Scott Stringer called for an affordable housing mandate that would cover all new developments. And he also demanded an end to the state's 421A policy. I remember doing reports on this when I was with the controller's office. Uh, he wants to end the 421A policy that gives developers property tax breaks for adding affordable units into their developments. And also, 
uh, his plan would require a quarter of new construction citywide to be for tenants who are low income. So again, you're seeing some of these mayoral candidates uh, speaking up more with their policy positions, kind of defining what some of the key issues are going to be over the next year leading into the 2021 elections. Now, I believe I might have mentioned on uh, the last show, I'm trying to recall if I did this, but uh, we had in studio here, I believe it was two weeks ago, it goes so fast, uh, Ruben Diaz Jr., Bronx Borough President, uh, he did express at that time that he had faced some fundraising challenges. And since then, only a few days ago, yes, I did mention it on the Sunday show, right before we went on, he announced... Uh, through the New York Times that he was not going to be running for mayor, that when he ends his term in 2021 as the Bronx Borough president, that'll be his last elective office. Uh, finally, some other news. Uh, again, the number to call is 212-209-2877. I'd love to know just what is on your mind today. But other news Two of my recent shows, Driving Forces and City Watch on Sunday nights, uh, I brought you the candidates for Queensborough president. There were at one time about to be 10, the nine that filed that was knocked down to eight. Well, a few were now knocked out based on petition issues, largely petition issues. So now with dropping four out, there's only a few left. That is council, New York City Council member Costa Constantinidis, uh, who was on the show last Thursday. Council, former council member Elizabeth Crowley, cousin of Joe Crowley, for those who recognize that name, former congressman who was toppled by AOC, uh, who joined us on Sunday. Former Queens prosecutor James Quinn, uh, who was also on the show last week. Uh, council member Donovan Richards, seen as one of the leading contenders uh, for this position, and Flushing businessman Dao Yin, uh, all of them will appear on the ballot because they had submitted at least 2,000 valid, and that's the key word here, valid signatures and had their petition packets in order. I do remember one elected official one year doing something incredibly savvy when trying to make sure his petitions were not knocked out. Because if you, you know, and I've signed a number of these, if you, Catherine, if you've signed them too, you'll notice there's like, I think, 10 slots on each page where you could sign maybe 20. Uh, what he did with every petition, he had only one, he printed up many more petitions to have one person sign on every petition. So if it got knocked out, it was only that one petition and you wouldn't lose that many signatures. I thought that was incredible. Savvy, though some might say a waste of paper. Anyway, um, so once again, we are talking about a number of issues today. I've given you some updates on the political landscape, but we spoke with Dimitri Daskalakis, the deputy commissioner with the Department of Health, about the status of the coronavirus, and uh, he talked about precautions people can take, and also about how people should not overreact. And then we talked with New York City Council Member Margaret Chin a little while ago about the impact on the Chinatown community, which is one of the neighborhoods that she represents. Please give us a call and let your let us know your thoughts. Are you afraid to be on the subways right now? Are you afraid to be in a public place? Do you think we're overreacting? You know, there have been uh, globally. We haven't seen this happening here in New York City, though, on the Twitter sphere. It's easy to find. 
there have been anti-Asian sentiments that have been expressed uh, globally in Canada and in other areas. Uh, call us at 212-209-2877. You're listening to WBAI 99.5 FM here in New York. We're also streaming live at WBAI.org. Would love to hear your thoughts today here on Driving Forces. So, just getting back a little to the coronavirus as we're waiting for calls. Uh, again, the first case of person-to-person transmission here in the United States was reported out of Chicago this afternoon. But again, nothing has been reported here in New York City. So we're going to take our first call. Welcome to WBAI. What is your name and what's on your mind? Uh, my name is Heidi, and I'm calling in about your uh, guest from the Department of Health. Yes. I, I Hi, think Heidi. everybody... Hey, hi. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, they're missing the real problem here, which is that we live in a toxic environment. We eat toxic food. We are uh, very stressed out emotionally. We're not sleeping well. And they were giving false information about the safe and efficacy of flu vaccines. And that is not a prevention for anything. If anything, it creates more toxins in your body to make you even more sick. I was very highly disappointed in that guest and the lies he was telling. So it's it's interesting. You also mentioned about the you know, the stressful environments that we live in because I'm I'm reading a book right now called The Rabbit Effect by Kelly Harding, uh, living longer, happier, and healthier. Uh, and about the science of kindness. And I just had finished the chapter this afternoon, Heidi, before I came on the show, just about the environments around us and how the stress, you know, and, and it did mention environments as far as toxic toxins as well, but how that impacts our health more than has been traditionally recognized. Did I lose yes, you? That's right. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, I, I, I agree. I agree 100 percent. It's just that I didn't hear that show, so I apologize for not hearing that. No, no, that's, just, that's, the, that's just a book that I was reading before the show because I was trying to kind of understand the impacts of stress on our lives. Okay. Yes, and, you know, the GMO foods that we're eating, the amount of vaccines they're giving children at a very young age are creating great deals of uh, stress on the body. The pharmaceutical drugs that we take, the antibiotics that we take, there's so many factors that were not addressed by the gentleman. And it's kind of like they're just talking about all these Band-Aids for something that is a huge problem. And I didn't feel like he addressed the real root of the problem. And what do you see as a workable solution? Well, to first start by admitting that it's a, a lot of it is a better diet, you know, but a lot of these people are in bed with the food industry. And, uh, you know, they have to start speaking the truth, that we need to change the, the, the 5G issue that is, is, is looming large now, is creating also a lot of stress on our bodies. So there's so many factors that they need to start talking about, maybe not having a solution, but the first solution is to speak the truth. And the truth will begin to set you free to find the solution. Heidi, thank you so much for giving me a call here on WBAI today. So, again, you're listening to WBAI New York. The number to call is 212 209 
888-528-2877. I am your host, Jeff Simmons, here on Driving Forces. We were talking earlier with the Department of Health Deputy Commissioner about uh, the coronavirus and then a New York City Council member about the impact on the uh, community in Chinatown. I mentioned a little earlier about, you know, Flushing Town Hall. And, you know, what's so interesting in the conversations I've had with them over the last 48 hours was that they were hearing, in their case, before they canceled their Lunar New Year Temple Bazaar this Saturday, uh, which usually gets about a 1,000 people, uh, that they heard from members of the community. They contacted elected officials. They contacted other organizations. They had some of the participants also say, it's not, you know, it's not you. It is the fact that it's large gatherings at this point, and we just you know, we want to basically see what we can do to contain this. And that's one of the sentiments I've heard, which is let's rally together, see what we can do to make sure we just take every step to stop this before it can go any further. Again, there's no reported incident here in New York City, according to officials. So we've got another caller on the line. Welcome to WBAI. Hi, this is Steve out of New Jersey. I just wanted to comment on Heidi. Boy, I love her. She just spoke right to it. <laughs> and she just spoke right to the, all the issues. And, and you know, it's frightening, okay, because I'm, I'm in the store all the time, and I look at what people are buying, and people are saying yes to GMOs, uh, yes to, to uh, uh, glyphosate-infested uh, or covered food, you know. And what do we need to do to stop that so that we can stop them from, from uh offering this to us as a solution to live through that's my it's kind of kind of like my question because you know anybody representing that the gentleman that was on i didn't hear him but i know that he i know he was full of it just listening to heidi okay but this food thing is absolutely frightening this toxic environment we're in it's just frightening and uh unless you're conscious out here and actually saying no to this stuff and 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 looking for alternatives so that you can be healthy you really don't stand a chance and, That's all I got. Okay. Well, Steve, thank you for New Jersey. Thank you so much for giving us a call to talk about the impact of GMOs, gen- genetically modified organisms. Thank you so much. Again, the number to call, 212-209-2877. Give us a call. No one's called in to weigh in on Washington, D.C. today, so I guess that means everyone thinks it's been going fine. Hmm? Okay. <laughs> uh, all I know is that as soon as I get home, I'm going to be catching up on everything I've missed in the last two, hour and a half, two hours, just to see uh, if we are moving forward. Uh, I'm sure that if I check the president's feed, I'll see a number of new uh, tweets trashing some of our Democratic uh, elected officials. Again, the number to call, 212-209-2877. We have another caller on the line. Welcome to WBAI. What's your name and what is on your mind? Hey, my name is Jesse, and I'm just trying to uh, shed some light on a potential um, cure for the, the virus. Uh, I think people should look into the power of silver and specifically structured silver if they are at all uh you know, afraid of getting any virus. And then um, even if that doesn't work, ozone therapy has been shown to be pretty powerful against all forms of viruses. So just so people have an uh, awareness of where they should turn, if, even if, you know, they are scared. Now, and, and I've read that, it's, it's a, I mean, silver being a natural mineral, that it helps with your immune system. Is this something that you have embraced for years? Um, I actually just got done curing myself of um, Epstein-Barr virus. Hmm. So... Um, yeah, silver and ozone has been tremendously helpful in those things. So any type of virus, 
coronavirus, Ebola virus, I'm sure these things can be extremely helpful, uh, you know, even as a preventative. So keep people's immune system strong, look into structured silver, not colloidal silver, but structured silver. And then if they are experiencing any problems, ozone therapy would be a really good route. Well, thank you. Jesse, thank you so much for giving a call today to offer that advice. Thank you. So we've got another caller on the line. Welcome to WBAI. What's your name and what's on your mind? Hi, my name is Gregory, and I'm calling in to weigh in on the gentleman um, who had made comments earlier about the uh, virus um, in, uh, going around in China and that everyone should get their flu shots here in New York. Um, I think that he doesn't know the audience that he's speaking to on WBAI. Um, um, and you got your virus. I'm, uh, excuse me, you got your flu shot. Yeah. I'm not one of those people who would ever touch a flu shot or have a flu shot come near me, my family, or, or anyone that I know. Um, so I'm with the other callers who think he is absolutely unaware of who the audience is he's speaking to on WBAI. Um, I don't believe in those things. I, I am a complete anti big pharma. Um, I've had immunizations earlier in my life for mumps, measles, and uh, something else. But I've had those diseases even after vaccine, being vaccinated with them. So I know from personal experience, it's a lie. In fact, that was what I was going to ask you is about your concerns. Has this always been longstanding or you used to, as you said, you used to get shots and just they did not work for you? Yes, I, I, I've had shots and I've gotten the diseases. So, um, again, I know that it's it's all a bunch of lies. Um, not all, but I would say the majority of it is a bunch of lies. So I would be very careful in telling any audience to go ahead and get your flu shot. It's going to help you. I don't believe that it's going to help you at all. And um, I, I've, oh, no, I've known people who have gotten flu shots and still end up getting the flu and dying. So and, uh, that's that's crazy. I think just because he works for an establishment like that, he has to sing the same song that they sing. Um, moving on to the impeachment. Um, what have I missed? <laughs> what, what have you missed? Um, I, I haven't been following it um, during the daytime, but um, uh, I really believe that the uh, John Roberts, the judge who is presiding over the case, is um, going to make some uh, moves where Mitch McConnell and his merry men um, are not going to be able to acquit anything. I, I really believe that if that were to happen, I, I already do not have faith in this system, um, but I would not be surprised if it were to happen, but I don't think John Roberts is the type of judge who is going to let it ha happen. I don't think he's bought um, in the way the um, other judges are bought. So um, I have a very strong feeling that you'll see tomorrow that there is no acquittal. He's going to come up uh, with a brand of law that is righteous and just and the law. What I think Trump is trying to do with this um, lawyer, Alan Dershowitz, is uh, uh, I think that's his name. Yes. Um, have Dershowitz basically um, listen to what Trump tells him to say and then says that over the air and to the media like it's actual law. And I know better than that. This guy is getting paid by Dershowitz and, um, excuse me, by Trump and, and, and his organization 
to I don't know what tune, um, but he is saying exactly what Trump tells him to say. You saw that he contradicted himself earlier. Many people from the legal community have come out and said that they're in complete disagreement with him. Um, I think he's doing himself and the institution that he teaches at a complete disservice. And um, I, I really think that um, he'll be shown up in a very big way and people will be laughing at him for uh, what, he, what he's doing right now. Gregory, thank you so much for giving a call tonight and for weighing in on the impeachment. I appreciate it. You have a good night. We have another caller on the line. What's your name and what's on your mind? Yes, my name is St. Clair, and I'm calling in regards to the vaccination flu shots. Yes. I, I, I have enough, well, I have enough evidence that's been purported to me, not over corporate media, but other sources like uh, WBAI and other uh, social media sites. And this is just a medical uh, industry that's just in it for the money. All these vaccination shots have been proven to be ineffective, and that's documented, but you don't get to hear that over the corporate media, and that's the problem. So when that person from the WHO was able to talk about in favor of everybody getting a flu shot, he's talking from the same industry, and they're all paying him to promote the lies. So, and... As a means of uh, protection for us, I heard the natural vaccination shot would, would be for everybody to get vitamin D3. And that's just as effective as that phony flu shot that you would have gotten through the uh, uh, medical industry. St. Clair, thank you so much for giving a call tonight. We're going to take another call. Welcome to WBAI. What's your name and what's on your mind? Hi, welcome to BAI. Hello, how are you? Uh, is this uh, is this Revolutions Per Minute? No, this is not. This is Driving Forces. But Oh, Driving Forces. I love this <laughs> show, too. Okay, very good. Very good. They're all some wonderful shows that Linda Perry has put on. Well, we love Linda. Driving Forces. Okay. Well, I just, uh, the man who uh, spoke um, about uh, uh, vaccines in the audience of WBAI, I just happened to hear... Uh, part of Gary Knoll today, and he said now that they're trying to federally and state federal make a federal bill to maintain to to uh, to uh, make adults take just like uh, in New York State, all the children going to school mm-hmm. are now mandated to take um, a vaccine. In fact, a vaccine with about eighty. Uh, 42, I think, uh, different kinds of vaccines in one against this, that, and the other. Um, okay. And so, uh, but I, but he said that now there's a, uh, and he, he said, well, I, I warned you guys, and uh, that uh, they're going to get, make sure that adults, in other words, you won't be able to fly on a plane or uh, go to work, maybe, unless you show your papers that you've had your vaccine. So. People need to um, organize and educate and, uh, as they say, and vote and so forth and hold our people accountable. I did want to say something about that um, comment about uh, the two they mentioned, the lawyer for um, that made that statement. Uh, He got. Oh, oh, I was going to say, just be brief only because the phone lines are lighting up. 
Oh, all right. That uh, the lawyer that uh, the man just mentioned. Uh, uh, the same man mentioned. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Are you talking about John Roberts? No, the the uh, the lawyer that's very famous. Uh, oh, Alan Dershowitz. Yes, Dershowitz. Uh, I heard him make a statement, and it would be wonderful if he could have punctuated. Um, uh, we could have seen the punctuation in his voice. I believe there were commas. Uh, bef- in in the clause that he had said, he had questioned that those were mixed. Uh, what if uh, what if there were mixed motives? Mixed motives. And that I had about read. that. And I believe that he was just uh, worded it awkwardly. But I just think that he was saying that if in fact um, he was, um, uh, and I'm just being uh, circumspect about this whole thing, non-biased, trying to look at it, you know. Communication being the way it is, very difficult. Uh, I believe that he was really just—he wasn't saying what everybody was saying. That okay. oh well, he should be able to um, just in, if, if it's in, it's in his interest, or the, it's in the interest of the people of the United States for him to be elected. You see, I don't think that he was saying that at all. He just was saying that that so, happened to be. So I just have to parenthetically, and I just have to cut you off. But I want to thank you for calling WBAI, also for mentioning Revolutions Per Minute and Linda Perry. I've just got a number of other calls, so thank you so much for calling. Welcome to WBAI. We've only got a few minutes left, so what is on your mind? Hi, welcome to WBAI. Okay, we'll do another. Right, call. Ah, you. gotcha. Hey, um, this, is, this is Patty from Beth, uh, from from New Jersey, just saying hello. Um, yeah, there's a few things I wanted to, to mention. Um, the guy, uh, and, and I guess a few people, kind of sounded very conspiratorial about uh, vaccinations. Um, I'm actually a new father, and my wife is from a third-world country. She's from a very um, well-developed part of a third-world country, so she's a pharmaceutical chemist. And when I was telling her, yeah, like, you know, big pharma and all of these concerns, and she said, "Um, you know, America. And so she did all of this research just as, like, a fresh mind. And, you know, she ended up coming back to me with, well, sweetie, it looks like there's definitely... And some of the stuff that's allowed to be put into um, the vaccines. And, and there's been, you know, uh, concerns about that. Thanks, guys. I mean, these definitely appear to be doing what they're designed to be doing, which, of course, is preventing disease um, or lessening. So for me, it was kind of like an aha moment because I had really become totally against, fully and completely anti and I realized that I was and um, there's definitely a lot of concerns about the regulations of pharmaceutical corporations in the United States. And that needs to be addressed. That point that, you know, what? if you really look at all the statistics, the function of this, these medicines, which decades is the reason why you don't know people of polio. Right. Um, they, they do tend to work as they're designed to work much for weighing in as well. I appreciate it. I'll take one more call. Welcome to WBAI. What is your name briefly? What's on your mind? Hi, Jennifer. And I'm just calling. I haven't heard what I was calling to say. I believe in the scientists and I, I believe in science. So I do what they say. Get your flu shot. Get preventive free and eat healthy, eat organic, and you won't be eating GMOs if you're buying organic food. So... That's what I feel, people. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe in those. I follow what the scientists say. 
And I know that some of the vaccines haven't been the perfect match, but people that I know have gotten the shot and have had the flu are a lot, get better a lot quicker than people who haven't had the flu shot and get the flu. Jennifer, so. Jennifer, thank you so much for giving a call here today on WBAI. I want to thank also the callers who I could not get to. I see the phone lines are still lit up, but I'm going to have to close the show in about a minute. I want to thank you for calling in for also the uh, diversity of opinions today regarding uh, whether flu shots are worth it or not worth it. Uh, and also for the few who wanted to weigh in regarding what was going on in Washington, D.C., also would like to thank the two guests today, Dimitri Daskalakis, Deputy Commissioner of the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene, and also New York City Council Member Margaret Chin. I will be back here on Sunday at 6 o'clock for WBAI's City Watch, which will take a look at some of the issues confronting New York City. I'll also be back here next Thursday with two special guests. I'm looking for forward to because we were supposed to have them last fall before we were temporarily off the air. Uh, I'm going to have uh, New York State uh, Assembly member Catalina Cruz, who's the first uh, DACA uh, student to be able to be a DACA child or DACA student to be elected to state office uh, here in New York State. And also uh, Caitlin Moscatello, who wrote the book See Jane Win that Catalina is focused uh, uh, on throughout the book. We're going to talk about women in politics uh, next week here on Driving Forces. Again, thank you so much for tuning in here and please stay tuned for the evening news. <laughs> Hi, this is Jesse Eisenberg. You're listening to WBAI in New York, 99.5 FM, and on the web at WBAI.org. This is John Kane from Let's Talk. On Thursday, January 30th, 7 p.m., I'll be screening a film that captures the raw truth of the U.S. and Canadian residential schools. Indian Horse relays the horrors of the 100-year residential school era and the racism that allowed them. Come join me for my first WBAI event of the year featuring Indian Horse at 7 p.m. Thursday, January 30th at the Brooklyn Commons, 388 Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, New York.
Hello, I'm Isaac Ferguson, host of Caribbean Voices and Beyond, Saturdays, 4 to 6 p.m. Join me this Saturday when Minister Ron Diaz, CEO and founder of the National Diabetes Task Force, will be here to discuss holistic eating as a way of fighting diabetes. Again, join me on Saturday at 4 to 6 p.m. for Minister Ron Diaz, holistic health consultant on fighting diabetes. That is Saturday, 4 to 6 p.m. on Caribbean Voices and Beyond. Here on Listener Sponsored Community.